Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to episode three of the Dollar Dogs podcast, presented by Tailgater Sports Media Company. No bullshit takes with a bite. I'm your host, Brian Pulaski. Along with me are my co-host, Cousin Joe, Mr. Young Buckets Esquire, Kevin, Hi. Mutt Dog Millionaire, Mutt Dog Millionaire, Daniel Mutter. Let's ride. Episode three, boys. This is, uh, this is monumental. How are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? A little hungover, but, you know, kicking. It's Sunday. <laughs> How are we doing, Kevin? <laughs> We're yeah, big bullin'. He was he was DDing. I remember that. Um, there's been a lot of uh, of news in the sports world, guys. Um, baseball now has um, really taken off. We've got hockey back. Hockey is back, and we have a special interview towards the end of our show with a new podcast that is coming to the Tailgater Sports Media Company. What do you guys think? I'm excited. Let's get it going. Yeah, I'm excited to get to uh, get more knowledge on hockey. I'd like to know. Learn more about what's going on during the COVID season of hockey. Um, Hawks are it back, and it's going to be interesting with them. So, yeah, let's get that rolling. Hopefully we can pronounce half the names that are on the freaking team. <laughs> I, ha- I had to look some up. Honestly, I had to look up some pronunciations with some of these yeah. French, uh, Canadian names. Pretty fantastic. But um, we got to talk about my favorite sport, Kevin. Don't eye roll. But baseball, White Sox, White Sox are back. Is, is that where we're at right now? Four-game winning streak? Are the White Sox back? Yeah, the White Sox. Uh, so I'd like to take my positive and negatives of the week. Um, they, <laughs> they, 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 their bullpen, I'm going to start out with, after a rough first game of the season, their bullpen is lights out. Like they, they look fantastic. I know Fry struggled a little bit yesterday, but other than that, he's been pretty good. Ross Detweiler had 16 straight retired until recently, but he still had faced the minimum. So he's having a great year. Uh, Bummer and Marshall don't even need to explain. They shut down relievers, set up men for uh, Alex Colomay, who I think is one of the most underrated closers in the league. And I like to talk about, obviously, their hitting is unbelievable, especially their young core. Uh, Grandal finally got his bat going these last couple of games. Uh, three RBIs Thank today. God. Yeah, looking very good. He's looking like the Grandal we paid for. Um uh, starting pitching looks like they bounced back. Giolito didn't give up any runs against the Indians through six innings, which is great. Yep. Um, Dylan Cease, you know, he he hey, he left some balls up today, but he still did a lot better than he did the start before. Uh, there was a different like, guy. Yeah, it looks like they sure. both got their confidence back in these uh, second games. Um, Absolutely. Giolito looked a lot more relaxed. And he was – you know I, what I noticed in the first game? He wasn't bending his back. He was just, you know, whipping his arm and throwing it. That's why he left it up there. But he was – very fluent. Uh, his last start looked really good. I'm really excited to see him play again. And then, so the negatives I'll take, you know, the, the, to be honest, there really isn't much. I would just like to see more aggressiveness on the base pads. I'd like to see more steals. We got a lot of speed on this team. Um, you know, bring a little small ball back. Some Aussie small ball would be nice to, nice to see with this team. But uh, again, this team has power too, so you don't want to take that for granted. Um, Absolutely. And, of course, Nicky Delmonico um, shouldn't be in the fucking major leagues. He'd had a big hit today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are we going to argue about this again? But you know what? There's rumor has it that Nicky Mazzara, D, half this podcast still loves you, baby. Yeah. Well, Mazzara's coming jumper. back. Mazzara's coming back, and I think they're going to send down – rumor has it they're going to send down Nicky. Uh, I don't know for sure. Well, but, if um, just just on the, the right field position alone, if you look um, – 
if you look at what Angle has done over the last four or five games, um, he, you know, the games that he's actually competed in, because um, he's he's been getting a few pinch hitting performances late in the games. Um, right. But when he's been starting, when he's getting consistent at bats, he's been doing damage. So if we're going to talk between those two who are gonna, you know, start those, uh, you know, day games out, you know, in a in a um, AL Central series, I, I think Angle's probably won that position thus far. But one hundred percent. Yeah, Nikki, it's night and Nikki day. Nikki came that one. out for sure. Nikki came out today though and and hit uh, a line drive with the bases loaded, which I think got a major monkey off his back. We gotta remember this guy was a, a pretty touted prospect and a high draft pick. Um I just don't think he's ever figured it out at the major league level. And I don't think it's too late to figure it out. Um I just don't want to throw away uh, a generational offensive powerhouse that we have uh to see if Nick can f- figure it out. But platooning Angle and Delmonico and Leary and Wright, because we brought up the, the right, you know, second baseman up to the major league level, I think oh, yeah. has made all the difference. But the things that I took away from this week was that we had some really rough performances in pitching in, at home against Minnesota and uh, a couple in Cleveland. And it seems like we just had a bunch of ba- bounce-back performances right after, which is the most um, – important thing when you when you're getting into a rut if you can bounce out of it quickly uh it gives me hope that those guys aren't um so mentally fucked where they're not going to perform for the rest of the year but giolito giolito coming back off that uh rough start against minnesota uh you know with six k's and six innings that's you know more like uh, vintage Giolito, you know, his changeup was really working that day. He only walked two batters, which is too, too many, but uh, definitely an improvement from the three that he walked against Minnesota. And I mean, the guy gave up uh, no runs on four hits. I'll take that any day of the week. Um, but the other thing that we got to talk about this week is Madrigal's debut, which uh, I know everybody's been waiting for it. He's been called uh, the next Jose Altuve. He, to me, he's more like a Dustin Pedroia, uh, very, very um, scary hitter up there. I mean, he, he'll get the job done no matter where the ball is pitched. It seems like he can slap the ball into the field. Um, he went hitless for the first two games, and then today goes four for five in his third game in Major League Baseball, something that we haven't seen done in over 100 years as a White Sox uh, organization. He's got off-the-charts baseball IQ. I think everybody can see that. And if you haven't heard, the guy has always carried that reputation with him through college baseball, high school baseball, and even in professional baseball in the minors. He's always been uh, considered one of the smartest baseball players they have on the field. And his plate discipline and coverage have been uh, really, really, really something that I've, uh, I was hoping for. And, you know, you were promised it, and it was delivered. So this kid can really play. Uh, and I definitely think that having him and Anderson up the middle uh, is a is a pretty nice uh, double play combo. What do you What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I like seeing Nick Magical finally up. It's about time. Um, and yeah, in the first his debut, yeah, he didn't get a hit, but you know the guy makes contact like often as hell, and he won't strike out a lot. You're not going to see him strike out a lot. He's not that no. type of player. He won't give you big power, obviously, but he's a slap contact hitter, and that's all you need him to be in this lineup. And, uh, you know, he looks really smooth in the field. I liked, I liked watching him in the field. He's just so natural there at second base. 
and uh, he had a great performance today. So I, I have really high hopes for Nick Madrigal. Kevin, I mean, you've been watching uh, Nick now the last couple nights. Um, what were your thoughts on, on his debut and just the kind of ball player that he is? Because Kevin, you know, people don't know uh, Young Buckets here, but he was a pretty scrappy uh, contact guy that could spray the ball to the opposite field. So I kind of, you know, I kind of reminisce and, and think about how you used to play the game and you know, I can't help but be reminded by it when I'm watching Madrigal play. Well, you're right. He does remind me a lot of myself uh, being out there. But <laughs> uh, I do like him. As Joe said, he makes a lot of contact. He's a really smooth fielder. But uh, to, to go all the way back to what Joe was saying about uh, the small ball playing, what drives me nuts is these guys shifting in the infield and we're not doing anything about it. Like, what is wrong with bunting? I like, agree. Why, why would you not take them out of the shift? make them play straight up because you're seeing like Nicky Delmonico hitting right into him. Everybody. I think, I think you hit it right on the head with just naming the type of player that should be looking for those kind of opportunities. I think it's, I think it's situational and I think it's player situational. I think when you have Yohan Mancana, who is arguably your best player all around at the plate with a runner on, on first or, you know, a couple runners on, on the bags with zero outs, I mean, if they're going to give you, uh, a, a, you know, a base and you're guaranteed to have a hit, maybe that situation calls for kind of a, a sneak bunt and kind of slapping it down the third base line. And I mean, I would just keep of, bunting until they stopped. I mean, because how many people do you see throughout the lineup that are getting a shift on them? I mean, I've, I've almost seen almost every batter in the Sox lineup are getting some sort of shift. And that's Major League Baseball has, has adopted uh, the shift everywhere. I mean, every player seems to have some um, – rational way to play them because of the percentages that, you know, they're hitting a ball to left field, center yeah. field, right field, no matter where it may be, they're going to play their infield accordingly. And even the outfield, um, if you, if you ever get a good view out into the outfield, they got guys shifted insanely far from, you know, you know, if a left-handed batter who's going to be all pole is at the plate. I mean, they yeah. have right fielders playing, you know, they can basically lick the right field line. Well, I mean, that's, that's how close they got. Like, if like, you're, if you're a left-handed you. power hitter, if you're a home run hitter, I don't care to see you fly out deep to right field when the guy's on the shift. I'd rather yeah. see you on base. I don't care if you hit 700-foot home runs. Get the ball down the line and For just sure. get on base. For sure. In the end, that's all that matters. It, I just, these guys hitting to the, into the shift just drive me nuts. It literally makes it unwatchable for me. It just looks unprofessional when they say, hey, we're going to play you like this, and then you just go and do exactly what they want you to do. It drives me insane. Well, to, again, to play devil's advocate with the shift, and I've had conversations with people about this before, but pitchers don't accidentally throw the ball in the inside half to a right-handed batter when they're shifted to the left. You know what I mean? Yeah, so if you've got but, everybody to the left side of second base, the pitcher is purposely throwing it in on your hands, trying to get you to pull the ball. It's extremely difficult to hit against the shift if guys are hitting their spots, which I'm not saying is always the case. Well, if the but, pitcher's doing that, I mean, nobody does it better than Jose Abreu, in my opinion, inside yeah, out. But, 100%. I mean, I, I, I think there's a solution here. You can't keep hitting it into the shift. Right. You need people on base. And they had 20 hits or something the other night. Oh, yeah, 20 hits. And I, I want to get back at uh, just one thing. Uh, they did have 21 hits, I believe, in 11 runs. Yeah, they broke the record and, from the championship team. Right. And and the thing is, they could have had more than 11 runs. The thing I've, A pattern I've been seeing with the White Sox sitting, it's been great, don't get me wrong, 
but there's a lot of runners stranded in scoring position when there's zero oh out and one out, and it drives me nuts. Great. You have to manufacture runs when you get a leadoff guy at scoring position. Like, you just have to. I don't care how much you win by. You have to manufacture runs. Agreed. And, that, between, and that's just a big thing we're missing. Between kicking baseballs and giving teams extra outs and not producing runs when you have uh, bases loaded with no outs, these are the types of things that kill baseball seasons and baseball teams. And I don't think that, I don't think that this is the trend that we're going to see the entire year from the White Sox uh, this year, but I do think it's something that needs to be addressed. So I'm glad you brought that up, Joe. Dan, what were your thoughts on the White Sox thus far? Um, I think from the other night, especially uh, when they scored a lot of runs and uh, after their win with uh, Magical going four for five, I like his Magical's approach specifically going up, up the middle of the field. I mean, two of his timely hits for run scoring were both right up the middle, even though they weren't hard hits, both right up the middle. I think that, you know, Abreu finally stroking the ball a little more. I think Eloy hitting the ball harder. I think everything's good there. Um, like we've talked about numerous times though, offensively, I don't think they're going to have an issue like, uh, tomorrow or yeah, tomorrow they're playing, uh, Milwaukee and Rodon's starting. So I'm hoping that right. he can bounce back and have a really good start against them because that first start he had wasn't very good. So yes. o- overall, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased with everything going on. I think, uh, Nikki needs to get out of the lineup though. I think we can talk about that all day. I think Mazzara comes back, uh, tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe he is coming back. Is tomorrow. it tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. Is it tomorrow? Okay. So, so I mean, back. if he cracks the lineup tomorrow and goes 0 for 5, then do you, do you go back to Delmonico or, you know, Angle or Delmonico? Because I, I'm curious to know what you guys think about Mazar. I mean, I watched him last year in Texas. I watched him for the last couple of years. And, I mean, I know he hit a bomb against us last year that was over 500 feet. But other than the, the you know, power potential, I'm not as excited about Nomar Mazzara as I was any of our other acquisitions, of course. But, I mean, he's a, he's a guy who could be a sleeper. He's still young. Um, I just – right now, having Eloy, Robert, and Angle out in right field, that seems pretty solid to me. I, I mean, I'm not sold that we need, um, you know, Nomar Mazzara at this point. But I just want to hear your thoughts on that, and then we got to continue. Yeah, well, Mazzara was decent in Texas. He does have his ups and downs. He does go on slumps, but, you know, everybody does. Um, but the good thing about him, he's a left-handed bat, and he's a power hitter, which is nice. I mean, we were stacked with power hitters. The thing is, you don't need him to do too much with this lineup, but I think he is the lesser of two evils between him and Delmonico. I think Mazzara's more proven um fielding wise you know what Mazzara does have trouble in the field sometimes so if it were up to me I mean I would start Mazzara because you know I want to see how he does and if he struggles in like the first three or four games or something yeah you got to put Angle in because Angle is fantastic in the field I just wish Angle's hitting was more consistent and, and you know what it's been pretty good this year so so far but yeah I, I would like a platoon between Angle and Mazzara I'd say platoon them I wouldn't say you can decide on one of them and we have Leary Garcia as well. I mean, yeah, and yeah, you of... could fit him in there as well. It's good when you get Mazzara back in the lineup. It kind of adds more depth, and that's something the Sox are lacking. Because um, I like, you know, I I could say it over and over again. I'm I'm just not a Delmonico guy, and I I think Mazzara has a lot of potential, and I think he's a lesser of two evils, and he can add depth to the team. I think we may have. Um... 
the best player on the planet in center field right now. Um, I know bold statement after nine games, but this guy, he's impressed me with everything he's done. He's batting 364. He's got 12 hits in 33 at bats. Yeah. Two bombs, six RBIs. And, and this isn't including today, which I know he doubled uh, today as well. I'm just saying, th- this kid has everything that you want in a baseball player. If you're going to the, to the labs and you're going to create a baseball player, you're creating Luis Robert. There's nobody else that contains these same kind of skills other than guys like Mike Trout. I mean, that's what, how scary I think it is that I'm already jumped on the Luis Robert bandwagon as the greatest player ever. But I really do think that this kid has something really special about him, and I think we're in for a long, uh, long, fun time in White Sox, you know, the White Sox fandom, in which we're going to get to see this guy play for a long time. He's like a fucking panther, this guy. <laughs> he's a human uh, panther. Pantera. But he, uh, yeah, he's great in the field, great at hitting, and you know what? He's all business. The dude doesn't open his mouth. He is all business. And you know me. I, I can't stand cocky players, Brian. Brian and Kevin should know this. I don't <laughs> care how good you are. If you're co- like, oh, God, if you're cocky, it just rubs me. The grinds my gears. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Louis Roberts, quiet, all business, lets us play to the talking. I really like this guy. I mean, Dan, you, you've been watching this kid play. I mean, is there anything he can't do? The, there's only, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to halt the brakes a little just because there's one thing I do not like about him right <laughs> now. And it's the 11 strikeouts and 37 at-bats. That's yes. Gonna, that's gonna, but it's not even just that, though. We got Yasmani Grandal and Edwin Encarnacion, both with 26 and 28 at-bats with 10 and 12 strikeouts. The yes. strikeouts are going to kill us. Yeah, I agree. Put the ball in play. So this is something, before we get into our, our playoff picks, I have to ask you guys, because I, I had conversations with uh, just my father the other day. I mean, we were watching the game. Shout out, shout, shout out uh, Jay Grizz. But we're watching the game the other day, and <laughs> the umpires must have expanded the zone at least a foot outside for right-handed batters away and a foot down to left-handed batters. And I thought to myself, is this something that maybe the Major League Baseball Association is implementing to have games go faster during the COVID season? Oh, my God. <laughs> because, because I've never seen so many fucked-up calls in a, oh, in a span – in a span of like, I would say six games, and I'm not talking about just the White Sox, uh, Indians, and the White Sox Royal Series. I'm talking about across baseball. I was watching the uh, Rockies and in, in, in A's, I believe, were playing, and uh, I think it was Matt Chapman got rung up on a curveball that was almost a foot outside and below the strike zone. And I'm just thinking to myself. How how is this possible? I've never seen more bad calls in a single season of baseball. You You're think like, that's why the strikeouts are up? I think that's why strikeouts in general are up in the league. And I think if it wasn't hard enough for these hitters to fucking figure it out after not swinging a bat for this long, now we're going to open up the zone? I mean, this is a pitcher's dream. Don't get me wrong. If I was in the league, if I'm a pitcher, I'm not bitching. <laughs> but I'm saying this is a situation and a serious situation in which they're going to need to tighten this up by the playoff. I mean, like, that's the type of shit that we're talking about here. There's going to be people that want to come after these umpires. It's like Leslie Nielsen from Naked Gun. Steve Reich was completely outside, <laughs> just making those motions. Oh, my God, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm waiting for Euchre to give me a just a bit outside when they're raising some <laughs> of these guys up. Oh, oh God. Spe- it was something that I had to ask. Speaking of movie references, I don't know if you guys saw this play. Uh, it was, I think it was the Indians game. 
Louis Robert goes all the way to right field, catches it over Leary. Leary's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And that reminded me of Kelly League from the Bad News Bears. Bad when News he Bears. was fielding for everybody, the coach was like, go out there and catch every ball in the outfield. So I'm like, did Red Soria tell Robert to just catch every ball in the outfield? <laughs> I don't know he if it was on purpose, but <laughs> I would tell him that. Oh, yeah. my God. That's how much ground he covers, though. It's insane. He gets everything. He hits harder than anybody in the lineup, too. The guy freaking. <laughs> yeah, and Leary goes, that's my area. And then Louis Roberts just like, well, I called it. <laughs> All right. As much fun as it is to talk about the White Sox with three homers like myself, we got to move on to Joe Kelly and his suspension. Let's go. Fucking bullshit. He's my new Let's favorite player. Go. Let me let me lay out the facts for everybody, just in case anybody wasn't aware of what happened between the Dodgers and Astros the other night. Joe Ke- Kelly purposely throws a fastball at Bregman in a 3-0 count towards his melon. Doesn't hit him, walks to first base, and Joe Kelly tries to hit him with a pickoff. I mean, there's no doubt that that's what he's trying to do on that pickoff throw. I mean, he misses, you know, I think Muncy's at first base, but I could be wrong. And he misses him the first time by, like, maybe a foot. And you're like, oh, well, he's just a bad throw. Well, when he throws out over there the second time and it, like, just misses him, you're like, ah, yeah, he's trying to hit him. And then Correa comes up to the plate, and he obviously misses with a slider that almost hits him in the dome. And then he goes on to strike out Correa. Correa, you know, has some words with him. Kelly gets off the mound, gives him the crying face, and tells him, nice swing, bitch. Let's go. I love that. My favorite player. And we're – and we're and we're off to the races, right? And then you have you know everybody in COVID world uh, just cringing at the fact that the benches are clearing and people are getting close to each other. Uh, the Astros are still still have been suspended zero games for the 2017 uh, season, and Joe Kelly now misses an eighth of the season. Oh, uh, so Kel- that's Kelly's the thing gonna is that. Kelly's hold on. Kelly is going to appeal the suspension. Dave Roberts says it's too harsh, but. It seems like Manfred promised and delivered a suspension to the wrong fucking people. He promised and delivered the fact that he was going to suspend anybody that threw at the Astros without actually giving a real punishment to the team that cheated the Baseball World Series. Thoughts, boys? Well, no. So, okay. So, this is what I want to make uh, an important point about this is that if they put this out into a 162-game season and Joe Kelly got the suspension, that's a 22-game suspension. 22 games. 22 games for a pitcher that's – in the bullpen, that's a significant part of a World Series caliber team. 22 games were thrown at two people at a team that received zero punishment for doing something that in the baseball world is probably the worst thing you could get caught doing. Let's, let's be honest. I think that is absurd. I think Manfred is out of his mind. I think he needs to get out of baseball because he's not helping the sport. I think that's just it. I used to like the Astros. Manfred is a cack second. I mean, it's, it's, the thing is, Kevin, um, it's, hard, it's hard to hate the guys on the Astros before this happened. I mean, they were so talented. There's so many guys in that team that are kind of transcending baseball. And then when this whole thing hit the fan, I think just a, a heartfelt apology and an actual sorry, you know, instead of like the bullshit apology that we got, would have kind of buried the hatchet, of course, Somebody's getting fucking plunked at some point. And that should have happened. But yeah, I just think that because they were so uh, positive that they had gotten away with it and they kind of lacked humility in the situation in the moment, 
that these guys are just out for fucking blood now. Now it's like anybody that wears that Astros hat is in a, you know, in the, the line of fire. I think that Manfred put a target on their back by not punishing them more and calling the trophy a, a piece of metal, you know, like there's a lot of things that Manfred's done that I've shook my head and said, this is complete bullshit, but this might be the worst thing or the most laughable thing. Uh, maybe next to the fact that, you know, he made a, a, an agreement and then bragged the next day about how it wasn't made in good faith with the players association to play this season. Um, Joey, what are your thoughts on this? Because this is something that I know that you'd probably be pretty passionate in. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to expect that this is going to happen with the Astros. Either they're going to get plunked, man. I mean, I, that's not just the Dodgers. Every team is going to be after them. They're, they're going to be a target team. So good for the game. I think in terms of Joe Kelly, that dude's my hero. I love Joe Kelly for that. I, I would do the same thing if I was a pitcher, man. I, I, I think that, like you said – Man, Manfred is just a guy who shouldn't open his mouth, which is a bad thing to say because he is the commissioner and he should open his mouth. But when he does, he act, he's an idiot. <laughs> but, it seems like everything he says literally yeah. hurts his reputation. It's, it's, it's crazy. It point. just makes him look stupid. And, yeah, I mean, you're, you have to expect this. I don't, I don't think Kelly should be suspended, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you don't want to intentionally do shit like that, but it's just – it's going to happen. The Astros are asked for it basically um, with the cheating. And uh, I think Joe Kelly posted something on Instagram. Yeah, I saw that. It's like babies. Three babies. It was like Brett, Bregman, Correa, and Altuve. Yeah. And then like, and like, like I apologize for absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I love this guy. He's my favorite player in the league now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's, the, he's the same guy, if you guys remember. I mean, I, I followed Joe Kelly in Boston and stuff like that, too. I, he's had a pretty nice career as a relief pitcher in the league. But he's the same guy. His video went viral this offseason with him trying to learn a changeup. He threw a ball right through his living room. or I think it's I was going to ask that. Yeah, he had like a giant, like, 50-foot target, and he yeah, hit he his house. Yeah, he completely fucking missed it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've been there. I mean, Dan, Dan could probably remember, but there was a time where I was learning a changeup, and I almost hit the top of a – uh, eight foot screen behind a player uh, on our team when I was Let's trying to. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, there's there's guys that just can't throw changeups. I was one of them. So, I, I mean, I, I I get it. But he he yes is throw a fastball. <laughs> it seems like Joe Kelly is going to be the scapegoat, and Rob Manfred continues to make questionable decisions, and baseball continues to suffer for them. I hope. Um, that the game is, is strong enough this year and the fact that we are playing during a pandemic, uh, that baseball can continue to kind of strive as one of the uh, top sports in the country. Um, so then can we, can we talk about, like, I just want to play devil's advocate a little bit. Like, for the sure. Astros, what, especially during right now where we don't have a lot of games playing, what kind of suspension or, you know, what could Manfred have done to really give them, um, like, a sense of, you know, you guys are at fault sort of thing? because Right now, we're not playing a lot of games. So, if they would have been suspended a whole year or had guys suspended for a year, what I mean, that team's basically a sub 500 team the entire right. On. And I fucking think that's the point. I think that's what so, you have to do. Okay. So, it, but then what happens to, you know, those diehard Astros fans that are saying, oh, I don't give a crap. I don't give a shit about what they did. We're still going to go to the games, blah, blah, blah. Right now, with Corona, nobody's going to the game. So, why didn't he just go, you know, Astros? 
get out. You know, we're not going to let you play sort of thing. Like that's your retribution. I wasn't alive in 1919 uh, to see the White Sox in the World Series, but I would kind of revert back to that. That was a major black eye for the game of baseball with the Black Sox scandal, which we will talk about later in this podcast as our day in the history of sports. But those guys were suspended from baseball for the rest of their lives. I think that these guys not only are getting away with cheating the World Series, which is a much bigger offense than throwing it, in my opinion. Um, but not only that, they aren't facing any kind of consequences. I mean, what, what do they face if they're continuing their seasons like nothing happened last year? Or, you know, and they definitely cheated last year. I, I don't care what people say. The guy was fucking holding his jersey for some reason. He had a buzzer or something underneath, something he didn't want to expose to the rest of the public, and there's something going on fishing in that organization for the last three years that they've been that good. You know, you, I, I'm just I'm saying this. I still think that they're a, a well-organized uh, and a well-planned team, and they have a lot of talent, and they don't seem to be getting worse anytime soon. But this year is going to be a real tell, and even next year when we have a full season, hopefully, to see if these guys really do have the talent that they've been showing for the last five years or if it was all fucking bullshit. And we're going to see. But I do think that somebody needs to get hurt every once in a while when something like this happens, whether it's your fans, whether it's your, your team's uh, organization. I know they lost draft picks or whatever bullshit uh, decision Manfred made to kind of punish these guys. But once in a while, you know, especially when you're playing the team that you fucked in 2017, I think somebody's got to get hit. So we got to get on, we got to get into our playoff picks. Uh, Dan, I hope you kind of organize yours. The problem was we made picks in episode one. If you guys are uh, remembering correctly, we made picks in number one, but the MLB expanded to 16 playoff teams almost, I think five days after we had made these picks. So now episode three will have playoff picks 2.0. And we are just going to pick our top 16 teams as well as our MVP, Rookie of the Year, and Cy Youngs from the last time. Uh, We're going to keep those the same, but we'll repeat them. That way we can kind of figure out who's going to owe who for money. And since Dan joined the group, I think we should do $50 each for a total of 150 to the winner. Holy frick. Let's go. I might have to think about my Rookie of the Year and my MVP and my Cy Young a little bit more. Um, Okay. I was just looking at standing so we might have to do that well, for next well, time well we can't do it next time you're gonna have to go now oh my so goodness okay we're well. going to me joey and kevin will all go through our picks and then you can kind of come up with your mvp rookie of the year and say i'm the spot all right all right good. plus if you win it'll be even more impressive Let's uh go. joey why don't you give us all 16 of your al picks for the playoffs and then give us your mvp rookie of the year and Cy Young. right so i believe it's two teams from each division and then two teams uh extra right the two teams are the next best record i think it i think yeah. that is how it works i'm not 100 yeah. sure but i think so so for the al east the two teams i got are the yankees and rays like last time um al central i got twins and uh white Sox. Uh, AL West, I got the Athletics and Angels. And as for the two next teams, I'm going to go with the Indians, whose pitching looks fantastic. True. And unfortunately, I'm going to go with the Astros as well. (laughs) And now I'll go with the NL. Uh, The two teams from the East, I'm going to go with the Braves and Nationals. 
And then the NL Central, I'm going to go with the Cardinals and Cubs. Boo. And then, yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> Cubs look pretty good. Um, they really do. And then the West, um, in my opinion, the, West, the NL West is kind of hard because I don't – the Dodgers, obviously. And then I'm – you know what? I'm going to go with the Padres as the second team there. They they looked better than I thought, and Brian called it in the first episode. Damn straight. And now yeah, the two the two extra teams. I'm still gonna go with the Mets because I do like their pitching staff. Um, and then this one I kind of struggled with, but I'm gonna go with the Brew Crew. Brewers. So we got oh. three teams from the NL Central in here. Not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> and then oh, do I have to say the uh, uh, rookie? Just of the give year? me just give me your AL and NL MVPs, and then. Right. Um, so the AL, I believe I have Mike Trout, and then the NL, I have Ronald Acuna. Yeah, that, was, that was a safe pick. Yep, I remember those. And then your rookie of the year in the AL, NL? Uh, Louis Robert, right. no doubt, and Gavin Lux for the NL. Yep. Um, and, when he comes up. and then my Cy Youngs, I got Jake DeGrom in the NL and Garrett Cole in the AL. Kevin, your playoff picks. Mine, I said wow earlier because it's scary similar to Joey's. Um, <laughs> AL East, I have the Yankees and the Rays. AL Central, I got the Twins and the White Sox. I mean, I think everybody's going to have the AL Central. is going to be the same. Um, AL West, I have the Angels and the A's. Uh, and then to go on to – or do you want me to give the two wildcard picks? Yes. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Blue Jays, and I'm going to go with Cleveland. That's good. I like the Blue Jays. I like the Blue Jays. I think they're, they're going to get in this year. Uh, move on to the National. For the Central, I'm going with the Brew Crew and the Cards. And then for the West, I'm going to go Dodgers. And I also owe Brian an apology because I totally wasn't expecting this. I had the Diamondbacks, but I'm going to change it to the Padres. Oh, wow. I mean, Brian, then the NL East, I'm going to go Braves and Nationals for my two wild card. I was going to go with the Marlins for the wild card. But the entire team is positive, so <laughs> that's not in anymore. I'm gonna go with. It's tough. I'm gonna go with. I'm kind of torn, so I'm gonna put the Cubs in for sure. But I was kind of torn, and I'm gonna go with the Mets. Wow. Yeah, I just like the Mets pitching, man. All right, Kevin, give me your MVP in both leagues. I think they're the same as last time. MVP, AL, Rolls Chapman, NL, Juan Soto. And then I'm going to go. Of the years. Rookie of the year is Luis Robert and yep. Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux in the NL, okay. And then I'm going to go uh, Cy Youngs, Garrett Cole, and DeGrom. Very nice. Very similar, Kev. <laughs> it's extremely similar. I pretty much copied you. I'm pretty sure my picks are a lot different, um, at least in the NL, than you guys. I don't think the AL is much different, but I have the Twins and White Sox coming out of the Central. Um, you know, big powerhouse teams. I just don't think there's a lot of pitching team. You know, I don't think a lot of pitching is going to stop them, no matter who you are. I mean, we saw what the White Sox did about against Barrios, and the Twins seem to be picking apart everybody they play. Um, I have the Angels, Astros, and A's out of the West. Those are my three teams, the A's being the third on that list. I have the Yankees, Rays coming out of the East. 
And my surprise team out of the Central, Joey, I also have the Indians. With the amount of pitching uh, performances that I've seen, uh, it's been a no-brainer to me to have the Indians in this kind of uh, playoff situation. For the NL, I've got the Dodgers and Padres and the Rockies coming out of the West. I really am hot on the Rockies. I, I don't know why. I just keep seeing really good games out of them. and I, I just don't, you know, they've been longing for something like this for a long time. Uh, the Brewers, Cubs, and Reds I have coming out of the Central, mm-hmm. and I have the Braves and Nats coming out of the East. That's not bad. Okay, not bad. So my MVPs, I still have Shohei Otani uh, winning the MVP uh, in the AL. I did not change that. I'm not going to change it just because I, I don't fucking want to. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to be pitching the 99-mile-an-hour fastball after his first appearance, but – I'm going to see where it takes us, and Ronald Acuna Jr. and the NL are, are the two MVPs that I, I think are going to win it all this year. The Rookie of the Year, uh, I've got Lou Rob, like you guys do, and Lux, which, again, seems to be a, a weird pick because Gavin's not up at the major league level. I also have Aroldis Chapman and Mike Soroka winning the Cy Young in the American and National League. Those are my picks, boys. Good luck to you. Uh, Dan, are you ready to make a few picks here? Yeah, I just I just set up my uh, Cy Young rookie and MVP. I got I got similar thoughts to to you guys so far. So uh, let me go Look through my let me go through my teams um, in the AL East. I got the Yanks and the Rays. I think that's a pretty solid pick for all around uh, the Central. Obviously, the Twins have been playing pretty well. well I gotta go White Sox. Uh, the West, I I went with the Athletics and the Angels. I think the I think Matt Olson's gonna start sparking up here. I think the A's have a real good shot this year at taking that division. And then the wild card, I went with the Indians, and I did go with the Astros. I just think that they're going to pull through as usual, even though with all the cheating stuff. Uh, For the NL, for the East, I have the Braves and I have the Nats. I think that's a safe pick for the Central. I have the Cubs, but I also have the Reds. Uh, They've been talking a lot about how good the Reds are supposed to be, so I'm kind of hoping I, I can bank on that one. Uh, the great, West, great starting three with the Reds, by the way. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Pitching's going to go a long way too. Um, so then, NL West, I have the Dodgers. I also have the Rockies. I think the Rockies are going to pull through with that. And then the uh, wild card, I have the Cardinals and I have the Padres. So then, uh, on to Cy Young. I, you guys picked the only two pitchers that basically we know about is Garrett Cole and Jacob Degrom. I think those are two safe picks for Rookie of the Year. I also went uh, Robert, and I think. Lux, when he comes up, he'll probably be MVP caliber or rookie of the year. Sorry, not MVP. I mean, we've and, seen Gavin at a close-up level, you know. It's, yeah, it's tough I, to I say it's, that this kid's not going to be something special. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I have a different MVP look at it. I uh, went with uh, Mookie Betts and Aaron Judge. Mookie Betts, LA Dodgers. Yeah. I, like I, 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 I just – did you guys see the video of him throwing out uh, what's-his-face for the D-backs the other day in right field? Yeah, I think I did actually. Oh my yeah, gosh, what a video throw! Who did he toss? I don't remember who it was. Uh, but I just I could not get over how clean of a throw it was. Seeger right on the money. He's done that shit everywhere he's. I gone. just think I, mean, I, I know. I just think it's crazy. Player. Yeah, I mean he's he's another guy that's probably in the conversation for the best player on the planet. Um, yeah, and then I picked Judge just because he's this is his fourth game with a homer. I think that he's gonna start breaking out and just keep hitting bombs. Yeah, Dan, Dan got lucky. He got to see a few games before he made his fucking picks. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You had all week to do it. Don't even tell me. Well, we didn't change any of our picks for the most part. I mean, I know that one of one or two of us may have changed the team here and there, but the MVPs and everything we picked uh, preseason. Yeah. But, 
given the situation, we understand, Dan, you're just, you know, kind of cheating like the Astros. Not a big deal. Wow, that's um, <laughs> we gotta We got to move on from baseball, though. Kevin's, Kevin's sweating over there. We got to do uh, a little bit of holy moly. Oh. Kev, Kev and I are, are big holy moly advent watchers. We watch oh, every man. Thursday night. Okay. It's, it's a family it's event. It's basically a reality TV show competition, and it's like Wipeout and Mini Golf had a baby. Um, contestants compete for like a golden putter and a plaid jacket that Steph Curry hands to him because he decided to make this fucking show. And $25,000 is going to be awarded to the winner. Uh, Rob Riggle's a commentator. They're in their second season of work here, and they just had the weirdest fucking people I've ever seen in my life. Yeah! Compete. Oh, it's so funny, man. Who is that? Who's the blue guy with the face paint? Like the blue lizard or something like that? With you, blue lizard, L- lizard, lizard something. It's first name lizard. Yeah, he looks like fucking Sting from WWE. <laughs> and he had like fucking 18 cats. He's a cat lady. They're like, what does it smell like in this fucking house, man? It's a uh, lizard oh McGee. God. Is that it? Lizard McGee. Lizard McGee. Yeah, I just and looked it up. Lizard yeah. McGee. And he's got yep. blue God face paint in a, like a baby powder blue suit I, it was strange man. spoiler alert lizard mcgee does end up falling to whatever her face's name was i don't even know her name oh my god he's even got blue uh fingernails that's that's a that's interesting no the guy's a fucking freak yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> complete freak for sure for sure i, I just i just love the unathleticism that some of these people possess and the false oh confidence that they have before they putt i'm gonna win it all and they throw a ball like 16 feet away from the hole or you know, they, they no, got to do like weird obstacle course shit and they talk about how big, how good of an athlete they are. And they that's just, my like, favorite part. Yes. Is when they just, you get the whole preview of them. They're getting their little interview in before they go on stage and they're all like, you know, I'm the shit, this, that, and the other, I'm going to win. And then they just get fucking plowed by like oh. some guy in a cat costume in a porter potty. <laughs> and this show has had tons of ex pro golfers come on and, and test their putting skills and guest appearances by John Lovitz, Steven Gutenberg, and plenty of other celebrities, uh, both golfing and pop culture. Uh, I just want to know how much acid Steph Curry dropped before coming up with this idea. I mean, that's really what I want to know. This is honestly, I don't even think it's a bad idea, a bad idea, nor is it crazy. I mean, cause everybody was like, I mean, I know that Wipeout was kind of missed just because it was, like, entertaining. You like seeing people getting hurt. I don't know why, but it was popular. And then once it died off, people were looking for that again. And he found a new outlet and made it a little bit better. Yeah, it's funny when people get hurt. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, golf, golf, mini golf mixed with Wipeout is pretty – it was pretty interesting. I caught some clips of it. I love Rob Riggle. I think he's hilarious. I'm not a fan of Joe Testatory. I thought he was one of the worst Monday Night Football commentators. <laughs> but it makes sense. Why do you think, he's, commenta- Why do you think he's commentating yeah. mini golf for idiots? I mean, like this is, there's a reason. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. I'm like this. This fits the bill for him. Uh, but, but yeah, <laughs> the show is interesting. I, I do like it, um, and it's something that I would like to actually perform at. I would like to do. I want. I want to try it. Gosh. I'll, I'll You've heard it here ball. first. On Dollar Dog Sundays, we're gonna try to get Joey on. Never <laughs> seen me get. Oh my god, dude! On me and Gina actually go look at her Instagram. We've been, we've been going practicing almost every weekend. Wow! Oh, How are you practicing? What? How are you practicing it? Like I'm going doing? to every mini golf course in the Illinois Cook County area. But how are you doing the like wipeout portion of it? Are, oh, are you, you just like, like you? You gotta like 
go on the side of the course and you got to jump on the rocks and shit. Parkour. Yeah. Parkour. <laughs> he jumps inside the the little river in the middle of the the. I slide down the volcano. You gotta be arrogantly cocky too, just like that false cockiness. No, you have to be a total asshole to oh, be on there. God. People, and it's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how big of assholes like exist in the mini golf world? I'm convinced that they get paid on the side. They're like, hey, be as fucking stupid as possible. Oh yeah. It's, yes. oh, it's 100%, but you know what? It makes, <laughs> it makes it more entertaining. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the holes, Kevin. So one of them uh, has John Lovitz <laughs> dressed <laughs> as a pirate. And he's got two, two eye patches. He's <laughs> two, yeah, so, so the idea is you want to get – there's an initial putt, and whoever gets closest to the X going around a ship's uh, – what's the front of a ship called? Is it a bow? Is it – what is it called? I don't know. The front of the ship, it goes up the fucking ship and it comes back and it's got to get close to this blue X. Whoever's the closest to it gets John Lovitz to take a, you know, a nine iron and shoot it over the river. And the loser of whoever was the furthest away from that X gets John Lovitz to do the same thing while blindfolded with two eye patches. <laughs> so this guy pirate costume. And he's in a fucking pirate's costume. Jacking up... Uh, jacking up uh, drives over at the hole so i remember the first episode of the season he's like this is what my career has come to <laughs> <laughs> so uh they they've got that hole they also have uh, uranus which kevin and i can't help but oh my god not. this is i literally just watched the uranus part it's so Rob funny Riggle. it's Rob actually Riggle he has so much fun with that god one. he literally straight face just goes did that just get stuck in uranus yeah. oh my gosh uh, he makes jokes on there that wouldn't pass on any other TV. No, absolutely not. It is it is fantastic to to watch uh, them work and talk about these people. And like I said, the best part about it is just the false confidences that some of these people have, and the shit talk that comes out of people who want to play mini golf is just amazing to me. Uh, I know they're on TV. I know it's all amplified, but something about watching a guy in a blue suit with blue face paint makes me want to. And he called him the no. blue lizard. The blue the, lizard, the lizard. Lizard, lizard McGee, McGee baby. That's my <laughs> favorite. That's my favorite thus far. And his background is 16 cats with nothing else. I don't know. Oh, just a, just a side note really quick. Uh, Javi Baez just walked off the Cubs against the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 11th inning. Javier wow. Baez is overrated. And yeah. Well, no. Oh, my God. Why do we got to have this argument <laughs> I, on here? I just, I just wanted to bring it up just because we said earlier before that we wanted to bring up more Cub stuff. So, there you go. Yeah, I'm, yes, I'm and absolutely. I don't like him, but he's a great player. Great player. Not overrated. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the league. He can hit the ball. What can't he do, Kevin? I mean, he's a guy that's arguably a 5 tool player. The only thing that I have a problem with is his plate discipline, which he's gotten better over the years. Uh, you know, the first couple of years in the league, you could have thrown him a slider anywhere. I mean, you could have thrown it behind him into the first base dugout and he would have swung at it. But now it seems like his plate discipline uh, and plate recognition has been incredible the last couple of two years. So what, is, what are your thoughts, Kevin? Because you, you seem so passionate about this. Uh, I'm with Joe. Just this is if there is anybody, this is the cockiest player in the league. And it just makes you want to. I don't know. I just strongly dislike him. He just makes it unenjoyable to watch baseball. Well, well, I don't know. Like, I think his cockiness, yes, it kind of ruins it for me. But can't stand it. The guy is a good player. Like, he is interesting to watch in the field. But um, he's all right. 
But yeah, his, his attitude pisses me off. Yeah, he pisses me off. Bottom line. <laughs> All right, let's move on because Kevin doesn't have anything to say uh, positively about. No, him. I don't have anything informational for you. <laughs> I just don't like him. <laughs> just. That's fine not to like somebody. <laughs> I just think he's a doucher. Oh, well, uh, Steph Curry produced Holy Moly and is also a professional basketball player, so we probably should move on to the NBA in that fashion. Um, Doc Rivers now has passed Red Auerbach as the 11th all-time coaching winner, I believe. 939 wins. Uh, that was a big storyline a couple nights ago. Uh, pretty, pre- pretty crazy. Um, I mean, this guy has taken a few teams to the finals, and it's just been kind of cool to see somebody that uh, we've kind of grown up seeing as a coach uh, pass that kind of uh, milestone. Uh, did you, you guys caught that, did you not? Yes, I did. Joe, thoughts? I didn't catch that. The NBA game that I did catch was the Rockets versus Mavericks. Okay. Um, oh, that I went, a little bit of that too. Yeah, that went to overtime, and it was mm-hmm. – the score, you guys want to hear the score of this game? 153 to 149. There is no defense in the NBA. That's game. a good I've been defensive saying that. game. I've been saying that. No, this oh has God. been my argument with all of my friends, actually, if, if I can sidetrack here a little bit because Joe just sparked something in my brain. So these, so people talk about the LeBron and, and the Jordan and all this, top scorers. If LeBron played in Michael Jordan's era – he would not get half the points that he does. And that's with along with Steph Uh-oh. Curry or any Uh-oh. top scorer you can think of in the league. They're getting their asses kicked. Well, there was better defense when Michael Jordan. People actually cared about defense. Literally, I said this to my friends. I said, if you want defensive player of the year, like good for Kawhi Leonard, dude's a great player. But if you want defensive player of the year in the NBA nowadays, you literally just have to try. Yeah. That's what I mean. Did you ever see James – like James Harden had 50, uh, 49 points? That dude does yeah. not play defense, though. He doesn't do <laughs> no. anything on defense. No. Have you, there's highlights of him, like, totally just, like, yeah. holding his dick on the bottom of the paint <laughs> while people score. And now, now people will say in defense of LeBron, they think that the athletes today are, like, you know, more athletic than they were back then when Jordan Which is played. true. 100%. Which is true, yeah. yes. yes. But, yes. but in Michael Jordan's era, these players played harder – than they do now. I mean, I agree the athletes now are better, but back then they played harder. There was more heart back then. Um, a bucket inside the paint was much more appreciated yeah. and much harder to do than it yeah, is now. Yeah, and they didn't call every stupid foul back then. Now now you uh, touch LeBron's uh, pinky finger and he's yeah. Uh, People get punched in the face back then. It was yeah. like, all right, it's a foul. Jordan got get, people people are getting fined well, for I it. Did- I did not think our NBA conversation would be going uh, – transcending itself to the <laughs> – uh, early no. 90s, late 80s. Uh, Joe just Michael brought Jordan. up the defense, and it triggered something in my brain that's been cooking for so there, long. There's so, no defense anymore. Yeah, to get it on here, I, I do want to say that the defense in the NBA these days is absolutely embarrassing, and I think it's pretty bad for the game. Some players – I will agree with you. Some players don't take the same pride as most players did in another era. 100%. Whether that was Whether that was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, yesterday i mean guys don't take the same kind of pride in defensive um accomplishments which i think is a shame i do agree with that um but there are guys in the league currently that could absolutely still shred 20 i'll watch years. i'll watch the fourth quarter 
five minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's pretty. That's that's when it's fun. Yes, that's when you gotta um, go in hard both ways. What you guys do? Think we, do about computerized fans. The computerized fans. Did you guys see that? Oh, oh I, yes. Is that not the weirdest thing? I mean, it's beautiful it's what Disney has put together. Um, and I know that you know it, it caught me off guard because somebody was shooting a free throw the other day, and they had the fans like cheering behind the backboard, and I, I almost was like brought to, you know. Like the UC, you're seeing people stand up with the uh, boom clappers and they're waving their towels yeah, and shit. It's, it's really trippy. weird, really weird. Um, but something that I think is important to kind of discuss, um, the East looks like it's all bucks this year. Mm-hmm. But who is, who is the team that's closing to, the closest to dethroning the Bucks and kind of impeding their ways to the finals this year? The Lakers. Is it the, the East, bro? Oh, you're talking about just the East? Yeah, I'm just talking about the East. Get to the finals. I'm t- I'm thinking the Raptors are the only team that's probably yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm looking yeah. right now and yeah, the Raptors are probably Unless, you know, Jason Tatum can pull the Celtics a little ahead and it's probably going to be the Raptors. I'll go Raptors with that. I mean, the I, East I, is just not really competitive this year, in my opinion. I mean, I mean there's no Kawhi Leonard, so that that hurts for sure. But I still think the Raptors are the only team in the East that really could give them a run for their money. Right, I, agree. I just think the Bucks are running away with it this year, man. Yeah, they're 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 too good. I mean, they're dom- they're going to dominate these. But um, it's a Bucks against whoever's making it in the West. Yeah, back to that computerized fans thing. There's just like, there's so many like glitches and delays too. And I was just, you could just see it while they're playing. Yeah, I literally thought I was on mushrooms when I was watching it. <laughs> uh, I was six car bombs deep. I did make Irish car bombs, and I had six of them. Um, so I I was definitely seeing things, but I, I think that actually happened. Like there's delays and stuff, but. Yes, yeah, trippy. Trippy what they're doing with the NBA. It's Did you, cool, uh, they're still trying to make it as game-like as possible. Yeah. Did you guys hear about uh, Lou Williams the other day? No. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he went to so, dinner at a strip club. He went to dinner in a strip club. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Jack Harlow. Jack Harlow posted a picture, and then we got Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins on Twitter uh, calling him out, and he goes, it's disturbing when a rookie in Zion Williamson can act more mature than NBA vet Lou Williams. And Williams <laughs> Williams had a clap back a little bit, and he goes, 15 years in this business, and the most dirt you have on my name is stopping to get hot wings during a pandemic. Perk, Sorry. shut up and stop laughing and say it's just TV when you run into me too. Hot oh wings and you boobies. Gotta, you got to oh listen to his story. God. He said He said – it was like one of his um, excuses to leave the bubble. He said he was going to a funeral. Yeah, and then at, right man. after, he went to a strip club to grab dinner. That was what he said. To it's him. insane. That's so funny. It's oh. his, I guess it's his favorite restaurant in Atlanta. That's, that's who's, the, going, <laughs> who's going that's, to a buffet at a strip club? I just, I just can't <laughs> believe that the NBA uh, decided to do this bubble for the players, and all he gets is a 10-day quarantine, and he's – Welcome right back in. I think that is just that's a t shirt waiting to happen. Chicken strips and strip clubs. Oh my god. I was it was the most bizarre thing I ever heard and I was dying laughing at my phone. I don't laugh at my phone, but when I read that, (laughs) I couldn't help I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. There's there's no chance. I, I, I keep saying this. I think the bubble is a fantastic thing, but there is no chance from what we're hearing that the NBA actually abides by all of those rules. And you just got to hope that enough of these guys are doing the right thing that way. They don't uh, cause a, an issue uh, for the season to kind of well, finish we didn't even we didn't even talk about what's going on with Rona and MLB. We never even brought it up. I yeah. brought up the Marlins. 
Did you? you? Okay, well, that's why they're in last place on my list. Okay, because we, we, I mean, there's other teams that are getting impacted by it now, too. Lorenzo Cain just came out. Uh, Who else? Yoenis Cespedes just said he's not playing. Well, okay, let's, okay, that's the breaking breaking fucking story. I was going to wait. I was going to wait till next episode, but we got to fucking talk about this because you're you're making me want to talk about it. (laughs) How about the fact that Yoenis Cespedes, just packs up his hotel room and says, fuck it, I'm done. Yeah, he doesn't show up for the game. He doesn't show up for the game, and they send somebody to his hotel room, and it's packed up and gone. Dunzo. What the hell? Isn't that the same thing that happened with his ankle injury? Like, Fun fun story before we get into our interview here with the Benders uh, Hockey Podcast. Uh, So, yeah, uh, Kevin and I, when we were kids, actually went to a game that was kind of reminding me of the Cespedes situation. But Bartolo Colon was scheduled to start a game I think it was against the Twins on a, like a random Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon. Me and Kevin had kind of gotten to play hooky at school. We got out to the ballpark. We get to the stadium, and uh, Gene Honda, a longtime uh, announcer uh, throughout the ballpark for many years, is sitting up in, in the boxes calling out on the comms saying, has anyone seen Bartolo Colon? As we're walking in, for game, the game is about to start in like the next 30 minutes, they're asking if anybody had seen Bartolo Colon. Because he showed up to the diamond that day for his scheduled start and then disappeared. All of his things in his locker were gone, and he was just gone. He had, we later realized or, or found out uh, through uh, different media outlets that he had gone to see, I think it was a sick grandmother or mother uh, in uh venezuela i want to say is where bartolo's from but uh because he was defected uh from the country that you know brought him over here so he could play baseball uh he didn't want to bring media attention that way he would be able to go see her and kind of come back in a orderly fashion and not have any trouble at the border um but yeah the same kind of weird shit i mean just drop you know leave at the drop of a dime and and nobody knows uh, it was really strange to kind of hear that about Cespedes, but we got to talk about something exciting. We got a new podcast uh, on the Tailgater Sports Network of podcasts, and we got the Benders Hockey Podcast. Uh, we got an interview with their host, Connor O'Sullivan. Uh, Kevin, why don't you take us away? So today, boys, we got the Benders Hockey Podcast. Uh, we are excited to announce a new podcast, part of the Tailgater Sports Media family. Connor O'Sullivan will be hosting the show, and we have him with us today. Connor, what's up, man? How are we doing? Good. How are you, boys? Thanks for having me. Living large. Good, living man. Large. Good. But we, uh, we, we were really excited to kind of expand uh, our company and kind of get more uh, sports and more of a blanket-type uh, feel to the entire sports world. And, and we just wanted to get to know you a little bit, have the world get to know you a little bit, and, and get an idea of what the Benders Hockey Podcast is all about. Yeah, so, you know, we're just covering – hockey world right now you know we're obviously gonna right now we're going for the playoffs and just gonna keep going to the off season. just cover everything from like trades accusate accusations games everything going on in hockey world really you know Absolutely. me and uh me and jake jake radner is the other uh host of me on the benders podcast both playing hockey for a long time love the sport cover everything about it I mean, just from hearing you guys talk, uh, I know that you guys are, are avid hockey watchers. Uh, you guys live 
uh, eat and breathe hockey, which is exactly what uh, this company was looking for. And we're just excited to have you guys on. Uh, what can we expect from the Benders podcast uh, on, on a daily basis? What, what, are, we, what are we thinking for uh, things we'll be speaking about? I know you kind of touched on uh, off-season stuff. Uh, you know, as far as the playoffs this season, are we going to be hearing a little bit about uh, your picks or are we going to be hearing a little bit more about the uh, game recaps? What, what, are the, what is the Benders podcast going to look like for the next couple of weeks here? Oh, we're going to be uh, – you're going to hear a lot of predictions here for the boys. And, uh, you know, got, cover each and every game in depth pretty much. Got a lot of hockey to talk about this next couple of weeks. Absolutely. So we got to ask you, because all of us in this room – uh, our, our Hawks fans, we got to ask you, what the fuck happened last night? I mean, the upset last night really just opened our eyes that this team is is not a joke. And I, you got to explain to us, how did the Hawks come come to play this series and really show that they, they've got experience out there? I've been saying it from the beginning. The, the Hawks playoff experience, I think, is going to win them maybe even more series than just the Oilers won. You know, obviously the Oilers got McDavid, Dreisaitl bunch of good players but it's a very offensive based team you know they got no they got no defense the very little defense they got just cleft bomb pretty much back there and the Hawks really took advantage of that yesterday I mean they're getting every loose puck winning every board battle getting shots on too and we I mean you know you got Kubalik and Taves just absolutely kind of put the Hawks on their back yesterday Kubalik is the first rookie to or first playoff debut to get five points and uh, there were no easy goals. You know, he's just ripping one tees left and right, too. So, Yeah, Connor. So, uh, Jonathan Taze had three total points with two goals and assist. Um, if he keeps this up, how do you think the Hawks are going to be? Do you think there will be a tough team to beat? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that if they do go down, I don't think they're going to go down easy. I mean, you saw Taze yesterday. He, he was back from the dead, it looked like. You know, playoff Taze is a different breed. I mean, I think with his leadership and his skill – his grind, they, I think they can go uh, they can go deep in this playoffs here. And there's another player I have particular interest in. I think uh, this Dylan Strome guy is going to be a player. Um, what are your thoughts on Dylan Strome? Dylan Strome, I think, uh, you know, during the regular season, he did not play great. You know, they scratched him a couple times. I think that really put a chip on his shoulder, made him play a little harder. Yesterday, banked one in off uh, the goalie yesterday, and I think he's really going to be a big piece for the Hawks this, this playoff run. I'm excited to see the Hawks go get another one, man. It's been too long. I think what, they won like three in five years, and then it was just a little dry from there, right? Yeah, so they won three 2010, 2013, then 2015, and then right. after that, they got kind of dismantled by the Blues 2016, 2017, swept by the uh, Predators after being predicted to win the whole thing. That was a, that was a tough one there. I know, I, we're due for another one, man. Blackhawks are exciting to watch, especially during the playoffs. So are we at a point now that we've kind of seen this team kind of put itself together? If it did take a pandemic, it seems like they've kind of come together to to put a better product on the ice. But do we believe it uh, in Coach Colleton at this point? Is is he the reason why this team is producing? You know, I don't know if it's Colleton so much. I mean, I he's a great coach, you know, nothing against him. But when you go from Joel Quinville to Jeremy Colleton, 33 years old, he's not even the oldest guy out of the whole roster. So I, I think it's really, you know, the players right now. Taves leadership, Kane just Kane's got some leadership too. You know he's never really talked about. He's wearing the A right now. Seabrook's out, so you know I, I think it's more the players leading than than Colleton right now. And Corey Crawford, of course, he he let up four goals. Um, 
In my opinion, I think Corey Crawford needs to go back to the way he was. Uh, what do you think he needs to do to improve his game? You know, Crawford, it's it's a tough one with Crawford. You know, I mean, obviously, just coming off, he just recovered from, you know, coronavirus. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's just taking a toll on him right there. But I just think these last couple of years after the whole concussion problems, I'm not sure if he can do anything to get his game back. I just, I think it might be too far gone with all the injuries he's had. Dan, how about you? I know you wanted to ask a few questions as well. So uh, what about, uh, what about Corona for the NHL? You think has been the biggest impact so far, uh, especially now during playoffs and moving forward? I mean, well, you know, there's a ton of, uh, well, Tuka Rask just today, for example, he was fit on, he was deemed unfit to play. And you know what that now with Corona go around, you don't know if it's Corona, if it's an injury or what everyone's just kind of, kind of freaking out here. If you're unfit to play, then just assume you got Corona and a lot of them, a lot of players are just opted out. They're not, you know, it's, you got to choose between, you know, playing in the playoffs, going for your team. And you got to think of the families too, back home, they got kids and stuff like that. you know, I mean, it's it's dangerous, but I mean, a lot of them are a lot of them are trying to push through. I, I think NHL did a great great job of setting up the bubble here, and they uh, they they were testing quick too, and a lot of, a lot of players uh, came back negative for the coronavirus. So I think the NHL did a great job of trying to trying to minimize the coronavirus here. So after yeah. the uh, sorry after the first night, um, did you see any fatigue or anything from anybody in particular? I mean. With guys not being able to practice, I know for baseball, they're looking at moving to uh, doubleheaders on the weekend. So for the playoffs right now, do you think fatigue is going to be a big factor moving forward? I mean, I think it will be. It definitely will be. You know, they're coming off of – they're resting a day in these qualifying matches and going right back in. But, you know, that's just playoff hockey. I think they're always ready for it. You're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices playoff hockey, like corona or not, you know, playing through injury or just going tired. You're, you're just going to have to put it all on the line there. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's really going to affect the fatigue that much because I think they're used to it. I think they I think they can grind through it. So I guess the last question we're going to ask you here is: Should we be buying into a Hawks postseason run? Is is this another year? I would not count them out at all. With with the veterans they have, they got a lot of veterans that have been there before. They know what they're doing, and then you got the mix in of they're the youngest they're their youngest average team right now in the whole playoffs right now. So I think a mix of their veterans who know exactly what they're doing and the young guys that can compete and score. You guys saw Dominic Kubelik yesterday. I don't know what basement he came from the Czech Republic, but that guy's <laughs> just absolutely been lighting it up. 46 <laughs> points. Yeah, 46 points in the regular season and 30 of those are goals. I mean, he's just absolutely lighting it up. I think I, – I, I, I would not count him out for the playoffs at all. I, I could see them beating Edmonton here and then just taking him deep into the playoffs here. Well, we want to thank you, Connor, for being on the show today, and we're really excited to see what you and Jake are going to bring to the hockey world and Tailgater Sports. Uh, we are going to get you set up. I think you guys are going to air sometime this week. Uh, we can keep everybody updated on the Instagram uh, as well as the Twitter account for Tailgater Sports as well as Dollar Dog Sunday. We can uh, plug you guys a little bit and kind of give you guys a little bit of a boost here in the upcoming week. Uh, but we're excited to see what you guys bring to the uh, – we're excited to see what you guys are going to bring uh, to this pro- to this podcast company. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. It's great getting to hear from Connor uh, from the Benders Hockey Podcast. Uh, guys, I'm really excited to see what this guy's going to bring. I mean, obviously, he's super knowledgeable. He really knows his shit. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see uh, 
um, what the Blackhawks can do and, and how he's going to go about taking this podcast to the next level. Yeah, Connor seems really knowledgeable about the game. Um, and I do watch hockey. I like the sport. I think it's very interesting. Uh, any contact sport to me is interesting. But I would like to know more about it, and I think Connor's the guy to keep all of us informed. So I think his podcast will be very interesting. Well, I'll be listening. For yeah, sure. absolutely. If yeah. there's a podcast to listen to, I'm, I would listen to Connor's just because uh, I know how trustworthy his opinions are, and he's very informational. Um, and on top of that, he's a very good player too. So he definitely has a lot of insight on what in-game experience is like, and he's very factual. So I'd be excited to listen to that. This is a guy whose words really weigh uh, a lot. I mean, he he doesn't say things to just say it. So uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to to listen to him and Jake kind of bounce off each other with all the knowledge and experience they have, as well as the fact that they've been avid uh, NHL fans since the day they were born. Um, we got to move on, though, to the last segment of the day. And just like episodes one and two, we are going to end it off with a day in the history of sports. August 2nd, 1921 is where we're going back to. And I told you guys, I kind of gave you a little bit of a tease earlier. We're going to talk a little bit about the Black Sox scandal. So August 2nd, 1921, not 1990, but 1921, three hours after the deliberation of the Chicago jury uh, decided to acquit the eight baseball players who were a part of the Black Sox scandal. So uh, convicted the next very next day, August 3rd of 1921, these players were banned from organized baseball for life. So I know this is kind of relevant with everything we're talking about with the Astros and their suspensions. Um, but these are eight guys that had to give up baseball for the rest of their lives. Um, professionally, that is. Your thoughts Here, on that? Here's my thoughts on this is that, uh, you know, with the Astros, they knew what was going on. They knew they were cheating everything and they, they, complied with it. They were a part of it. So they deserve a punishment. As in terms of the Black Sox, yes, there was a lot of players who threw the games and everything like that. And, um, but there, there's players like Shoeless Joe Jackson, one of the best players of yep. all time, if not the best player of all time, if he kept playing. He, played, he still played his ass off in the World Series. He didn't throw the game, but he knew about it, which is what rubbed people the wrong way. But in my opinion, the players that actually performed and didn't throw the game should not have been kicked out. So I think in terms of Shoeless Joe Jackson and guys like Buck Weaver, they should have kept playing. But those other guys that knew about it and intentionally threw it, yes, I agree that they should have been thrown out. But there's just Joe so ja many other players that, you know, they didn't agree yes. with, just knew about Joe, it. Ja Joe Jackson had issues reading, um, which really hindered uh, his comprehension with what was going on at the time. And I think that's why uh, he kind of pissed off these these gamblers who were trying to get the in on the world series because I mean, he was competing at a higher level than anybody expected to him to. So, um, or, or I shouldn't say expect, you know, regular people weren't expecting him to, but the gamblers who were expecting him to throw the game were expecting. Um, but these, you know, we've seen the movie eight men out maybe a hundred times in my household. Definitely uh, recommend. And, yes. and you've, and you've seen, I mean, Charlie Sheen and, um, <laughs> what's his face the guy from friday night lights is in it right yes he is friday night I think he's, quarterback i, I think, think he's, he's joe. joe jackson yeah 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 i can never remember names i i'm, I'm terrible at this no uh, i don't think i don't think that was him actually john john played, cusack is in it he played yeah, john weaver. cusack was buck weaver the guy who plays shoeless joe jackson was actually if you guys ever seen hardball 
the manager of the yes Ooh, yeah, yeah. Right. that's your right. that's who she was Joe Jackson again don't know his name it escapes me but uh, getting a little bit back uh, on track um, something that I think is going to be interesting and a thought that I'm going to throw at you guys um, these Astro players there are a few that seem like they're well on their way to Cooperstown types careers um, when you talk about Jose Altuve you're talking about a guy who's a generational talent as a hitter and a guy that has basically risen that team to a level that it wasn't before. I mean, they had made it to the World Series in 2005, and the White Sox obviously uh, kind of put them in their place in a quick four-game series. But with um, the Astros kind of hitting rock bottom at one point shortly after those seasons, uh, Jose Altuve was kind of a, a ray of light that kind of was the kind of was the piece that they built around. So for me – you were looking at these guys like Bregman and Altuve and possibly Springer and Correa. All these guys have potential to be those next Hall of Fame caliber players, right? The Black Sox, Black Sox have been, you know, removed from baseball for over 100 years now. And yet, Shulish Joe Jackson, who's arguably one of, like Joey was saying, the greatest players of all time, especially as a hitter, uh, a guy with a batting average that I think is in – third place or, or maybe fourth I, i'd have to look that up to be sure but up there i mean there's a guy that hasn't even you know i mean i know we're going to put him in cooperstown years after his death but he's a guy that deserves to be in so i mean how do you how do you how do you weigh the black Sox and the astros together and are these guys going to get blackballed from the hall of fame as well well I yeah. they should yeah, I mean, as I mentioned before, I think the difference is that the Astros, you know, complied with it. Every single player did. And, yeah, they should be punished for it. I, I, I don't know if they should be banned from the game of baseball, but there's definitely an asterisk to all their names, and it's not going to go away. They're, they're going to be known as cheaters. Like, it's, it's just going to happen. But, um, but, yeah, guys like El Tuve, it's a shame because they are good players. But yeah. – you cheat the game, you get what you deserve. Here's my opinion. I mean, if, if you're not going to let one person in, you can't let anybody else in. So you, you got the Mark McGuire's. And you, you exactly. Know, you yeah. can't – Pete Rose. If you're not going to let Pete Rose in, you can't let these fuckers in. Like, right. It, yeah. It's just there has to be some sort of acceptance. If you're going to put one guy in there, you got to put the rest of them in too. If these guys – if these, if this Astros team gets in before any of the people that have been a part of this discussion before, there's something seriously wrong going on. So then, what about like the pitchers, like Garrett Cole? Does his reputation get tarnished because the Astros were cheating on the batting that's side a, of things? That's a great question, Dallas Keuchel. Uh, exactly, uh, and not Garrett JP. Cole. Like yeah. Justin Verlander's had a tremendous career before the Astros, and, yeah. and what are they going to take it away because is his teammates decided to do something wrong and he let it slide. I mean, and he, yeah, and he let it happen. He let it happen. Exactly. That's the biggest thing about it. So, yeah, I was going to say the same thing about, you know, the, the Roger Clemens, you know, Barry Bond, like that whole argument we had last week about it, you know, it's the same argument here. Yeah, no, for sure. And it seems like, um, the hall of fame talk, I always say that I don't want to talk about, but it's so interesting to me. Uh, I, I, you know, everybody's kind of gotten my stance and everything, especially after last week's conversation, but 
I think the more the merrier. I'm not, I'm not against putting all those guys in the Hall of Fame as long as they deserve it statistically. Um, and I, like I said, I think there's a way to put even the guys on steroids or, or that use performance-enhancing drugs in the Hall of Fame, depending on their quality of player. Yeah, I think, I think we're missing that a little bit, too, in the MLB Hall of Fame. People are kind of you know, missing out on just the focusing on the sheer fact of being a baseball player. Yes. You know, he did this. He did that. You know, he gambled. He did steroids for a couple of years. It's, it's the same thing. You know, these well, guys think- had beepers. Al- Altuve is one of yeah. the better hitters that I've seen in my time watching baseball. I think one the, of the question, too, is, though, um, you know, the guys who use PEDs, we didn't find out, you know, until most of them later in their careers. Now we've got guys, they're cheating at the start of their careers. Does that yeah. impact their decision moving forward, you know, later on in life? Because if you're looking at somebody who use PEDs and you don't find out about it until 10, 15 years after they're done playing and you got Altuve with a buzzer on in the middle of his career – and then they talk about him 10 years from now going in the hall. What, where do we let that slide there too? Well, then, then what, do you, what is taking it too far? Like what is looking too far into something? I feel like that's why they have to make it a little bit simpler. I mean, it's a great honor to be in the Hall of Fame. It should be narrowed down to certain things about what this person did. But, I mean, if you're going to get into the nitty-gritty, I think you're going to find something almost every time. Yes, I think that there's going to be sticky situations in every situation. There's not a lot of completely clean guys, whether it was performance-enhancing drugs, uh, social uh, issues, which I don't think should be a reason you don't get in, um, or just the, the pure fact that you were a part of the scandal in, in, you know, in the pitcher's sense for the Astros situation. Those guys, even though they let it happen, they weren't people that were participating. So it's going to be an interesting thing that they have to figure out for the rest of uh, – I guess time for baseball, um, but we got to wrap this thing up. We have ran a, a long show today and I just want to thank everybody that's listening in now for coming in and kind of getting uh, our thoughts and feelings on everything going on in the sports world this week. Um, boys, do you got any thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I'm hoping the season doesn't end early. That's all. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're not going to have a lot of talk about moving forward if they decide to shut it down here soon. I'm praying for sports to stay alive. Let's just hope that we all stay safe and be smart and not go to these clubs and catching it. Um, and then we'll <laughs> no more fine. strip club dinners. Or casinos. <laughs> yep, no, we'll more, no more strip club chicken wings. Chicken strips and strip clubs, baby. Thank you for joining us today. Another day, another Dollar Dog Sunday.